Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Two scripture readings for us today, one from Isaiah chapter 11, it's a traditional passage read during Advent. Isaiah writes, a shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, a branch will sprout from his roots, the Lord's spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole, toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. And a second reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him, and so rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. You are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. The prophets, who long ago foretold the grace that you've received, search and explored, inquiring carefully about this salvation. They wondered what the Spirit of Christ within them was saying when he bore witness beforehand about the suffering that would happen to Christ and the glory that would follow. They wondered what sort of person or what sort of time they were speaking about. It was revealed to them that in their search they were not serving themselves, but you. These things, which even angels long to examine, have now been proclaimed to you by those who brought you the good news. They did this in the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent from heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Lord, I pray this morning you would speak to us about ancient mysteries, about prophetic words, speak truth into our hearts and souls that they would mean something to us and reveal Christ to us in these days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, if you have one of these, uh, you don't need to pull it out, but if, if you have one of these with you, would you just raise your hand for a second? How many of you actually have one in your possession in this moment? Okay, the vast majority, and those of you who don't look a little bitter about it. Um, you ever think maybe we take for granted how easy communication is today? That all of us 
just indicated that in our pockets or purses or devices that we could communicate instantly with anybody we know or anybody we have a phone number for around the world. I got a text the other day from a friend who was driving to Vancouver. I got a, a mess Facebook message the other day from a friend in Guatemala. It just can happen anytime, any place. If you want to know what's happening any of the, anywhere in the world, you can look it up instantly on your phone. You might even be able to find video, live video of what's happening anywhere. It just happens like that, right? We just assume that communication happens so easily. Wasn't like that just a couple, couple decades ago, was it? Uh, all of this is fairly new to us, and maybe we take it for granted. Uh, I was in college in the late 80s when I met my wife at UCF, long before any of us had these devices, long before we could text or call with a, something we carry in our phone. Uh, and so when we wanted to see each other, it took a little work. It was a little bit of effort. Uh, we went to UCF. Even then, UCF had a big campus. We had two different majors in different buildings. We both had campus jobs in different parts of campus. She was on the volleyball team, would be at practice in the gym. And so when we wanted to see each other, oftentimes we had to kind of strategically be in the right place at the right time. We memorized each other's class schedules, and one of us might be waiting for the other when class let out, or on the path heading to the next class. Um, or she would leave a note on my car if she could find it in the parking lot, or I'd go and leave a note on her door at the dorm, meet me here then or whenever. At one point, Kelly had a job at the library. Anybody been at the library at UCF, right? I would go to the top floor and work my way down every row to see if she was putting books on shelves. And if I didn't find her on that floor, I'd go down one floor and I'd go every row, right? And sometimes I'd find her and sometimes I wouldn't, even after going all the way down to the basement. That's what you do when you want to see somebody, right? That's what love does. If you want to be connected, if you want to communicate, right? It takes a little bit of effort. It's not always as easy as just sending a quick text. So the question for us this morning as we kind of turn to Advent is how does a God who is often perceived as distant, far away, unreachable, communicate love to us who aren't always paying attention, who don't always have ears attuned to hear what God might say? How does God communicate with us that God has a plan, that there are promises, that God does have a future in mind for all of us? Rob Bell says, if you're God and you want to express ultimate love to creation, if you want to move toward them in a definitive way, you have a problem. Because just showing up overwhelms people. You wouldn't come as you are. You wouldn't come in strength. You wouldn't come in your pure, raw essence. You'd scare everybody away. The last thing people would perceive is love. Of course, he's talking about the reason for Jesus coming in flesh. So the question is, how does God close that distance? How does God approach God's people? How does God communicate God's promises? Author Wendy Wright says, Advent is a time in which we are invited to turn our attention to the fact that we are recipients of a promise. Well, what is that promise? And how do we know that God has made that promise to us? If you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, 
God primarily communicated with just a very few individuals that we call patriarchs, largely through angels visiting or through dreams. I'm thinking of of people like Noah, you know, go build a boat, or Abraham and Sarah, you're going to be the parents of a nation, or Isaac and Rebecca, or Jacob and Rachel and Leah, promises that you'll one day be a great nation. I'm thinking about Moses, who God met in a burning bush, said, you're going to be my spokesperson to Pharaoh and to the Israelites. Later, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Later, God used Moses to lead the people through the wilderness. Later, Moses turns it over to Joshua, right? And so it continues. We know that God chose the priests from the tribe of Levi to be the people that that represented the people's sacrifices to God. Then came judges like Deborah, Gideon, Samson, and others. Then came kings, Saul, David, Solomon, and others. All of these in different roles, different ways, different generations, different periods of history served as God's representatives. Intermediaries between God's people and a God that people didn't feel they could access. Maybe didn't even really want to all the time. The role of the patriarchs was to establish the covenant that would later be the benefit of the people of Israel. The priests performed rituals on behalf of the people to appease God when the people sinned. Judges led and settled disputes. The the king served as shepherds, representative of God for the people. And yet God still was perceived as remote and unapproachable. So then came the prophets. And that's what we're talking about today is the role of the prophets. We hear the prophets a lot during the season of Advent. People like Samuel, Elijah and Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Amos, Hosea, many, many others. The role of the prophet is to speak on behalf of God to the people. So it's different than a priest. Notice the priest works on behalf of the people to represent the people to God in rituals The prophet represents God and speaks to the people God's message. Often, their message was a message of hope or encouragement or promise of the future, but maybe even a little more often, it was a message of warning. I had a professor in seminary who said the role of the prophet was to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And so you do hear something like Isaiah 41, uh, comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your your God, probably the Messiah, right? Comfort ye, comfort ye, says your Lord. But not always were the message of of the prophets comforting. When God called the prophet Jeremiah, he said, this day I appoint you over nations and empires to dig up and pull down to destroy and to demolish, to build and to plant. King Ahab probably spoke on behalf of all the prophets when he said to Elijah, is that you, you troubler of Israel? That's how they were seen, particularly by the kings, I think, troublers, agitators, right? Those are descriptive words. They, They would speak their minds boldly, even when it wasn't popular. There was rarely any confusion about what the prophet wanted to be to be communicated, what he thought needed to be done. They're never part of the mainstream. Even today, those who are prophets are never part of the mainstream. They live in the margins, and they often speak on behalf of the marginalized. Ruth Evans says, the prophets are weirdos. 
More than anyone else in Scripture, they remind us that those odd ducks shouting from the margins of society may see things more clearly than the political and religious leaders with the inside track. We ignore them at our own peril. Uh, Or theologian, scholar, and rabbi Abraham Heschel once said, prophecy is the voice that God has lent to the silent agony, a voice to the plundered poor, to the profaned riches of the world. It is a form of living, a crossing point of God and man. God is raging in the prophet's words. So so with that in mind, primarily the role of the prophet often was to speak these very challenging words on behalf of the marginalized, imagining a better world. Several centuries before the birth of Jesus, the prophets began to speak in a way that, that later was interpreted as a promise of a coming Messiah. The word Messiah is a Hebrew word. It means anointed one. That God was going to send an anointed one to redeem Israel and then through Israel redeem the world. In the Old Testament, kings were anointed with oil to lead the people. Priests were ceremonially anointed with oil to serve the priestly function. And it was believed that prophets were anointed by the Holy Spirit. So when they said Messiah, they they imagined, the prophets, somebody who would serve that role. One who would be a prophet, speak on behalf of God. One who would lead the people like a shepherd king. One who would give his life sacrificially like a priest. A Messiah. They talked about the possibility of a Messiah. Samuel spoke to King David saying, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The prophet Jeremiah said, The days are surely coming when I will fulfill the promise I have made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. Isaiah said, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch will grow out from his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Micah said, but you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. I could share many other examples. Now, were these prophets hundreds of years before Jesus talking about Jesus? I mean, really, did they know 500 years in advance that a baby was going to be born in Bethlehem? Well, maybe, maybe not. There's a lot of scholars who believe that really what they were talking about is births that would happen within their own lives. Sons born of kings and queens who would one day ascend to the throne And so these words were meant aspirationally, that maybe this time this king will be faithful. Maybe this time this king will be the one that God uses to restore us. Were they talking about incarnation? Probably not. That was probably beyond what they understood. And yet, they painted the picture of someone who would be used by God as a deliverer. Well, what happened? King after king was born in their generation and the generations after that fell short. Who didn't live up to the prophet's aspirations? 
And so what happened was their voices kind of came together. People remembered a little bit what Micah said, a little bit what Isaiah said, a little bit what Samuel said, a little bit what Jeremiah said. And they began to believe that, that we haven't gotten that Messiah yet, but we will. That this is a promise that is yet to be fulfilled. That collectively we can anticipate that God is going to send someone for us. They say that by the time of Jesus' birth, that every mother in Israel hoped that, that the child she was going to bear would be the Messiah, the promised Messiah. Of course, we believe that was fulfilled in Jesus. And so through Advent, we've been talking about the idea of God coming closer, right? That that's what this season's about, is how God came closer to us in the person of Jesus. But we stepped way back, all the way back to creation. Actually, before that, God as Trinity, three persons for eternity. But here's the next step. Before he came in flesh, God began to speak to us through these prophets. God began to offer a promise of what was to come. Even if the prophets didn't completely understand what they were saying, that that it was a birth of a baby, God in human flesh, they certainly understood, they certainly believed that God was going to move in some redemptive, restoring kind of way. I also read to us from the New Testament, post-resurrection, 1 Peter 1, 8 through 12. I don't know if you caught this line. It said, the prophets, that's who we're talking about today, the prophets who long ago foretold the grace that you've received, meaning Jesus, searched and explored, inquiring carefully about this salvation. These things which even angels long to examine have now been proclaimed to you. Let me put that in simple language. He's saying this mystery, this promise that was communicated hundreds of years ago to our ancestors, that prophets who we revere struggled to fully understand, has happened. This ancient promise of God sending a redemptive Messiah to the world has been fulfilled. That we, those who Peter was writing to and us, are recipients of the gift that the prophets only dreamed of. And if you heard it in the song that Aaron sang for us a little bit earlier, what the prophets knew as mystery, what angels longed to see, now it moves where? In me. Now it lives in me. What the prophets only could understand aspirationally is now accessible to all of us. Latin American liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez, who's a bit of a prophet himself, says, the Son of God was born into a little people, a nation of of little importance, by comparison, by comparison to the great powers of that time. That is why many have trouble recognizing him. The God who became flesh in Jesus is the hidden God of whom the prophets speak to us. The God who became flesh in Jesus is the hidden God of whom the prophets speak to us. I wonder if that's one of the reasons that we love this season so much. I wonder if that's one of the reasons that we, we put so much time and energy into these seasons of Advent and Christmas. 
Because they remind us of what's so easy to forget or what's, what's easy to just not even see or notice or understand that God is a God of promises and that those promises begin and end with Jesus. That God is faithful. And that God's promises are true. That God has acted. That God has come closer. And what the prophets knew as mystery now lives and moves in you and in me. Emmanuel, God closer, God with us. Let's pray. We thank you for your closeness, O oh God. A closeness that once even prophets only knew as mystery, only could imagine for future generations. Even Jeremiah, who said that God's word was like a fire in his bones, spoke of something that, that we now have received. Lord, help us to receive that gift more fully. Open our eyes, our ears to see it, to know it, to feel it, to recognize your closeness in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.